1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to part two of uh, the Car. Steph and I are wandering. We've braved it out into the slight frizzle a little bit. It's kind of stopped storming for a moment or so. Less um, wind. I'm sorry yeah. that you've. We've had some beautiful sunny days, and unfortunately, you joined us on a on a rainy one. But I feel that like you're, you're quite a hardened person. You're a tough person. No, yeah, yeah you're I'm a
0: northerner, here. so we're here, we're, yeah. we're used to cold well, weather. Well, that's Welsh
1: and northern people yes, are used yeah, to the we rain, stick so it's, it's part of it, isn't it? I guess. Um, listen, let's delve into part two straight into a mindset of being an employee, working for a company or a business, and thinking about how you can best advocate for yourself. Now, something I was reading the other day ahead of this was that men in the workplace often advocate better for themselves, or better is an interesting word perhaps, but advocate differently maybe from women. And that sometimes, say men can be more like, I want this pay rise or pushing for things more. Is that true? Is that from your experience something that you've heard or seen? Um, And if, if so, Uh, How do we redress that? But for everyone, how do we advocate for ourselves better and have that confidence to not just around pay, but also saying, well, actually, I think this, that or the other in the workplace?
0: So one thing we've got to remember is, what, maybe 100 years ago, women weren't encouraged to be in the workplace. Mm. Uh, You know, they were stay-at-home wives or, you know, they weren't encouraged to have these big careers. So I think we're still catching up for the years that women didn't have a place or a presence or role models to look up to. So I work with some incredible women and I'm so proud when I see them shine. But I also know a lot of, especially young people actually, who have picked up learned behaviors or say things like, the thing is my boss just doesn't realize that women aren't as good at negotiating
1: so kind of like a learned beliefs yeah and i, I remember that, yeah. this
0: person saying it to me and I, I said where have you got that from because i i personally am, i'm good at negotiating and i know a lot of women that are great
1: yeah my ma- well my manager harry she's uh, she's bloody good at negotiating <laughs> well, this is so it. I, I could say that i think
0: school. one of the things that frustrates me is the way that the media has always made women feel inadequate and the way that if you type an imposter syndrome you will see hundreds of articles on why women fall behind because of imposter syndrome or why women feel this. And actually, I know loads of men that experience imposter syndrome, mm. but the narrative is rarely that men need to change themselves in the same way that women do. Mm. So I, I, have a, I have a little bit of a bones pick with the media, to be honest, yeah. because I think the representation and the narratives women are fed very much reinforce Mm. the thinking that women aren't as good at negotiating or speaking up and all of those things. Mm. When I look at professional development events, I see more women going to the events than men. Mm. They feel they need to do this more than men. So there's definitely an undercurrent of it's become a woman's problem and that men just don't experience it. So I like to kind of give a Broader picture because a lot of the talks that I deliver, I go into massive global corporates. I'm speaking to all genders. I'm speaking to all ages. I'm speaking to all backgrounds. There's such a mixed group of people. And lots of people talk to me very openly and candidly about what they're struggling with. So from one perspective, I want to encourage the media and make a note to sort of any women listening that there are narratives that are placed upon us that make us feel that we can't do these things when actually we are more than capable to do it. On the flip side, when you look at the studies and you look at the results, we know that it is a behavior and it is the delays in success that women experience can often be through, you know, at the very first job, when you graduate in your first job, there is studies that show the gender gap, pay gap begins then because the men will ask for the highest bracket, highest end of the salary and women will go for the lower end. So we know right out of the gate, that's when the gender pay gap begins. So there's there's something that we need to be doing around looking around the education right from school leavers age on the progression. But also we know from things like, you know, women taking time off to have babies. We know about the fact that a lot of decisions are made on the golf course when women may not be invited into those spaces. So there's definitely s- systematic structural issues that need to be worked on. And I kind of want people to recognise the external factors beyond the individual themselves. Because I know women that come to me and say, I've done everything you've said, I've done this and I've done that. And I feel a bit helpless yes. because I think this isn't a you thing. Mm-hmm. This is actually... It's a them, issue. It's a them thing. It's a cultural thing. It's a cultural issue. It's a, it's a business issue. So I guess for the people listening, there's, you know, if you're in those leadership positions, you're having those higher conversations, do better. Work on better strategies. Don't let these things that we know are commonly happening keep happening. We are so far away from gender equality in the workplace. There is still so much that needs to be done. And then I think for the people who are the employees and they're feeling this, I always say to people, do everything you possibly can to get what you want, because then at least you know you've done what you can. If that still means you're not getting the result you want, then it's about assessing, do I need to leave this situation? Do I need to be in a different room? Do I need to be in a space where my opinion and voice is valued? So I think it's important to do our personal growth, work on things like, you know, how to pitch for yourself, how to negotiate, all of those brilliant soft skills, because they're going to help you in all aspects of life. But it's also really important to ask yourself, what are the external factors that I honestly can't control? And do I need to be in spaces where I have a better chance
1: of succeeding? let's dig into that in a moment in terms of like what if you're in a situation where you have you know you've advocated for yourself you've done all these things but you're just not being hear- heard or you're not it's not been responded to let's come on to that let's start with those kind of because i think for a lot of people unless you've been taught these things how are you going to know how to negotiate for things i don't Absolutely. think anyone's ever taught me anything about it it's kind of to kind of learn stuff, I guess. Um, so yeah, maybe it would be helpful just to go through like, how, how do you approach like, say, let's take for example a pay review situation, or you're starting a job. How do you advocate for yourself and say, actually, this is how much I want to have? I mean, how do you even decide? I mean, obviously, we don't know if you're based on the situation, but how do you decide? Oh, this is this is how much more I deserve, or how do I say that? Some real basic takeaway tips would be helpful for everyone, I think.
0: Yes, yeah, so I have a full chapter of negotiating mm. in my book because mm. this was a topic that I was I'm really interested mm. in. So. A few things that are really important. First and foremost, you need to be clear on what the business objectives are. So, so often what I see is that people go into their performance review and say, but I've worked really hard and I've done this and I've done that, but what you're not doing is stating how your work Mm. has impacted or Mm. contributed to the business objectives. Mm. So if your company has a goal of breaking it in America this year, then you need to show exactly how your work has had a direct impact or effect on reaching that goal. Or if it has been to double the revenue this year, because that's what we're focusing on, then it is linking your work back to the profit side of things. So it's really important, and I say this to a lot of people, every six to 12 months, speak to the finance directors, the CEOs, the managing directors, and ask them, how are you measuring success this year? beyond my performance review, what are we working towards as a company? Mm. What are we working towards this quarter, the next year, the next five years? What ideas do you want me to bring to the table or what Mm. things would you be really impressed by that I can help to ensure that I work towards? It's the number one question that we haven't been taught and told to do, but it will massively help you to plan out how you present yourself I guess in those important Is reasons.
1: that kind of like, it's almost like, a, not really, it sounds a bit sinister, like reconnaissance, but like, you're finding out you're trying to help the company and hope, you know, people want, everyone wants to kind of succeed in whatever the goals are. Um, but you're also finding out ahead of time, like, what can I do, A, to help? But also, well, I've done this and this, by the way, you told me this six months ago, this is what I've done. Yeah. So you kind of, so would you say that's preparatory work then before? So let's, obviously yes, we're talking about like a performance review just as a hypothetical situation. So that stuff comes as like the general, Beforehand. Yeah. What else can people do to maybe prepare in the months, but also maybe the days or weeks before going into a performance review?
0: Well, it's interesting you say the days and weeks before, because another thing that, another issue and another problem mm. I see a lot of people mm. have is they prep a performance review a day before. Probably one of your most important, you know, employee chats of the year, mm. and you're prepping one hour before you go into the meeting. Yeah. Not, not good. Yeah. If you think... This is the thing that could dictate the next 12 months of your life, Mm. or the next X amount of time that you're spending in this company. You want to spend a lot of time really reflecting on that. And that's why when we talk about the self-reflection on a weekly basis, Mm. if you're documenting all your wins throughout the year, when it gets that performance review, you're like, we're not even debating this. I know that I'm ready for this promotion because I've been tracking this all year round. You're not waiting for that exhausted mind of yours at the end of the years to go, oh, have I even done this? What have I done? So I think that's really important is is the regular self-reflection so that by the time you get to that end of year point, you're ready. But one other thing that I'd say is also having regular check-ins with your line managers or the decision makers who would be having the influence over that promotion or that salary increase. So one of the mistakes I made when I was working full-time was I had a mid-year review. It was about six months in. They were like, you're doing great. You're performing extremely well here's where you are and we, we couldn't be more impressed. You're on track to get that promotion and pay rise. And then it came to towards that the end of year and I honestly, I, I didn't know the phrase at the time but it was gaslighting. It was it was so horrible, such a horrible experience to go through. They were like, oh no, what are you talking about? You're miles off. You, you've still got so much to go. And in that six months, I believe something had changed within the company, company structures, yeah. financing all of those. But instead of Transparency and honesty. What was it, what instead happened was
1: made out of your problem. Made out of my, fault. like
0: I'd not done enough. Mm. When I, I'd all I'd been told was, and so what I took from that learning was the importance of checking in regularly mm. with those key decision makers, whether it's every month, two months, three months, mm. and just saying, I just want to check in, see how everything's going. Here's what I've been doing. How are you feeling? You know, having those conversations, but not waiting to be asked. Mm.
1: so start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Because I would say a lot of people might feel like, that. again, going back to feeling awkward, that might feel like awkward, that feels like, It's moving away, I guess, from not the humbleness, but being like, well, I don't ask that. I shouldn't, it should be them that ask me or like, how do you even broach that conversation? It can feel, because it's talking about money and even talking about money, feels like, I'm not going to say, am I on track for the bonus necessarily? But you're still alluding to something that relates to performance or money or whatever.
0: So for most bosses who are managing people, Mm -hmm. they want their life to be made easier. Mm -hmm. So if you positioned them, I'd love to set up a monthly check-in call Mm -hmm. where we can just debrief on everything I'm working on, how things are going, and to ensure that I'm on track for delivering everything you need for the rest of the year.
1: Sounds so smart. <laughs> so Do you know it's it's a,
0: it's a completely <laughs> yeah. different. So what I'm doing is rather yeah. than them having to chase me up, rather than them, back, has, aren't you? you're taking control. And really, a lot of what fuck being humble is about is empowering mm. the individual yeah. to feel more in control of their careers. Because what I felt in that moment was. I have no control over the situation and I feel like somehow I, I was the problem and it wasn't the case because as soon as I then went and found another job, got what I was asking for, I was stopped by four members of staff trying to hold me in the company saying we'll give you anything you want, please don't go. And it was such an interesting experience and I think because I've had quite difficult work experiences, one of the first jobs I ever had was the most toxic environment I've, I have you, ever experienced. Because you've worked
1: in so many different companies, so many different roles, and of yeah. course like, your achievements have been huge, but you've also experienced, I guess, probably the good, the bad, the ugly, and we're not gonna obviously talk about specific companies and so on, but no. you've worked in it with a real, I'd say quite a breadth of different organizations. Yes. So I wonder if you could pull away a few, interactions that you think are like sign, like good interactions around like employee employer uh, but also ones that are like unhealthy or not good because sometimes if you don't know how, how do you know or you know what it's like the if you don't see the other side how do you know what you're experiencing isn't right or perhaps that you actually do have a good dynamic with your boss or your employer
0: yeah it's a really good one and, and I guess with reflection I've learned quite a lot about my working style so I think when I was working full-time I was quite impatient And I can be honest about that now and say when I felt like I wasn't getting what I deserved, I would start to look elsewhere Mm. and that would be a bit of a cool amount. But I think it was because I experienced some quite upsetting times. I remember saying I will not stay in rooms where I feel devalued, unappreciated, Mm. uh, like overwhelmed to the point where I'm crying every single night and I I have the worst Sunday scaries. Mm. It's not even Sunday scaries, it's everyday scaries. And so I think when you experience difficult times, it helps you to be very clear on what you're not willing to settle for. Mm. And in that became very clear to me that I needed to have, again, these career values, I guess, these personal values. What am I willing to accept and what am I not willing to accept? One thing I would say on reflection is with the impatient side of it is some situations I maybe wish I'd have stuck out a bit longer to see if maybe there had been changes or maybe things could have got better but because i was quite eager to succeed and do a lot in my career quite quickly i i didn't stay for that long if i didn't feel like it was working
1: um and did that follow on from say for example from a review was that was that usually following on from a review where you didn't feel things going the right direction
0: yeah i think it's quite interesting i think a lot of people see performance reviews as the employer dictates the situation. But for me, I very much saw it as a, a mutual meeting where I was coming to see how you were responding with it, with me, and I'm seeing how you're happy with the work that I'm doing. So that experience was, if I left feeling like there was potential and hope, I was like, okay, this is a fine. But if I left feeling those those feelings of yeah overlooked and appreciated undervalued it would be really difficult for me to get out of that
1: and does that always relate to because we talked earlier on about like um if you look at workplace shouldn't it all be all about profit or money like is it is this often relating to financial worth or are you talking about the environment and the kind of culture of the communication
0: communication is the biggest thing It's absolutely, it's one of the things that when I was managing people, I really intentionally tried to Mm. communicate in ways that I would want to be communicated with. Whether it's transparency about the reasons decisions Mm. are made, whether it's how frequently you're celebrated and appreciated, Mm. whether it was how to handle egos Mm. in the workplace, that was something I I found quite frustrating, but obviously very omnipresent in environments i think that communication is the dictator of all success i think being a good communicator is the thing that will
1: either either propel you or will hold you back and i guess that's probably as much in your direction to others as them to you to so be totally, able to communicate yeah. effectively but also because also there's something about because there's two ways to everything as well it's like being able to listen and actively listen as well. Like is, there is a two-way thing, isn't there? Like when it can't always, it's not as easy to say, oh, the employer is always the devil or whatever. That's yes. not always the case. And I think
0: that's what I want to caveat mm. now is I think when I speak to a lot of people, there's sort of, there's a culture more so now that it's like up and go, up and go. I'm not sticking around. And I guess from my own experience and reflection, I, I would encourage people to ask themselves, what are those long-term benefits beyond pay, and title mm. because ironically even when you reach those pay and title things sure if it's still sure. not making you happy mm. or if you realize this is not quite right again a project I've been looking at is striving for career success over career joy so a That's lot right. of people sure. promotion pay rise promotion pay rise when I get this I will feel mm. and in reality they look around and they go I don't enjoy any of this
1: because I've got a few friends that work in in finance, as a lot of us do, and you know we're all in our th- early thirties now, and a good few f- few of them from varying various working in various places have said they pay you enough to. Keep you there, not too much that you leave and start your own business or yeah. do other things, because otherwise, if you pay people X amount of money, they'll just go make their own thing. Or, and not paying you too little that you'll leave. And the bonus is always enough to keep you there. But you the actual, beyond that, there's not much joy with the work. And it's like, oh, well, the pace, I can't leave. And if I leave, it'll be this or whatever. It, it really strikes me. It's difficult, isn't it? Because money is a very motivational factor. We, we, we do need money to, to live and, and so on. But it does show you that it's, it's not always enough because some people that earn huge amounts of money, and I'm not, you know, there's so many people that are struggling right now. I'm not being surprised, oh, money doesn't matter. I clearly don't think that. But it is interesting because even those that are paid a lot of money, if that's all that the, the work or the environment's offering, then that's not, that's not enough to feel satisfied. And not to say banks, lots of people, I've got other friends who actually, they really, really enjoy it and they do generally yeah. enjoy what they're doing. But it is a good example perhaps of that kind of money not always being the thing that really... The question I think
0: really important is like, at what cost? Yeah, great question. At what cost is that money worth it? If you're what working you... six
1: days a week, you never see your friends. I've got a friend that works for a particular Financial institution that works, leaves the house at six, comes home at 10 every night, works Saturdays, half the day at least, Sundays, prepping for the next day on Monday. And I'm like, what's the point? What's the point? If
0: you can't, if you don't have the time to enjoy here. the money you're making, what is the point? And I, I think a lot of people are getting to that point where they're asking, is it worth it? Mm. Is this what I've worked hard mm. for? Is this what I'm going to spend the rest of my life doing? Mm. And that's when I think it's important that you're really clear on what what does good look like for me. And that's totally fine if that changes. Sometimes it might be that you're trying to put down a deposit for a house, so actually, mm. for the next couple of years, you've just got to knuckle down and persevere with that job that you don't love because you really want to save up for that deposit. I totally get that. Mm. But if you're finding yourself focusing on that success over joy and it hits you that this is like deep unhappiness, mm. No job should ever make you feel that level of unhappiness, you
1: know? So it's thinking about what you want in life. Well, as we come to the end of part two, let's just nail down a little bit then. So so this person's getting ready for their uh, performance review. They've done some of the things you've talked about, regular check-ins every month or every couple of months, really understanding the goals of the business, being vocal and communicating well. They've done their prep work, weeks of prep ready for this review. They kind of maybe have got a figure in their mind of what they feel that they should that they deserve them this is why they've worked, you know, this is why they deserve it. What are the main things, I guess, the key things, maybe words or like phrases that could be used in a conversation that's helpful for that person, or even just bullet points. Sometimes you go into a meeting, you come out and think, oh gosh, I didn't cover the stuff yeah. I wanted to. Maybe just a little bit of guidance of how you can make sure that you do get your point across, whether that's about pay or whether it's like, oh, I want to have more training on this or whatever it might be.
0: I think what's really helpful is to have a clear idea on the things you'd love to get from that meeting, but also to prep yourself mentally that if they don't happen, how you want to respond to them. Right. Because we've talked a lot about empowering the individual to feel confident to go Mm. ask for what they want, but the reality is sometimes you might not get that. And (laughs) I always say to people, there's a great book called Do Improvise. Mm. And every conversation we have is improvised. So, the questions you ask me, you don't know what I'm going to say back to you today, and vice versa, I don't know what. Mm. And the same in a negotiation, we actually never know what someone's going to say back to us. But it's important that we state what we want and we're very clear in that room. This is what I'd love mm. to get to, this is when I'd like to get to it, because you want to be top of that list mm. of people who have said, these are my goals, so that when your bosses are reviewing, who's that person we should put in that pitch that might help get them a bit more visibility? You've actually clearly articulated that. So be vocal on what you'd love, but also be prepared mentally and verbally to hear and respond in a professional manner if you don't get it. And I think often people can feel quite defensive. People can feel quite emotional. And I would just always recommend to write down as many notes about what the other person is saying.
1: Sure. While while you're doing it? Whilst make, they're yeah, doing it. So just say to notes, them, I'd yeah. like to
0: take a few notes on the feedback that you're sharing. And as we know, negativity bias mm. uh, can very often when we only when we're in a negative mindset we can only remember negative mm. things. So they might Confirmation be saying really bias. Things, so it yeah. might be so it's a classic yeah. thing. They could say ten amazing things, one bad thing, you come out only and thinking about the bad thing. The, the so yeah. our mind can play mental tricks mm. on us all the time about how conversations went. Mm. We know this happens a lot. Mm. So it's really, really useful to write down everything they're saying. And if, for example, you might be neurodivergent Mm. and writing down might be difficult, ask them if you're allowed to bring in a note taker Mm. or possibly even record the conversation Mm. so that you could document it and reflect on it. But absolutely have those clear notes in front of you Mm. so that you can use that as a follow-up to either reflect on for yourself, but also to follow up with your line manager or with your boss and just say, Mm. just to clarify, these Mm. are the key points that we talked Mm. about in the meeting and here are the areas I'm going to focus on. So almost as
1: an email afterwards, just kind
0: of... My thing is always, it's your responsibility, not theirs. Mm. So if they don't email back after a week, you send the email. If they've not put something in writing, you ask for it to be put in writing. The biggest mistake we make is putting our success in the hands of others and they're not seeing what we want because... Well, my boss said he'd email me in a month's time and it's still not come through and it's six months later. Mm -hmm. You know, so it it is very Mm -hmm. much your responsibility to Mm -hmm. document what's being said in that room, do the follow-up conversations, put those things in place. If nothing else, for your own sanity, you know, for your own guidance so that you go, if these changes don't happen in three months, Mm -hmm. I'm moving on, sort of thing. So it's important that you capture the conversation for your own reflection for your future planning and to ensure that you are on track for what it is that you'd like to get next
1: i think that's brilliant advice and a great place to end part two thank you for that i think we have really kind of grilled you there about things but i i I've, it's deliberate because i think it's so helpful like you've got such a wealth of experience and i think for a lot of people like how do you learn this stuff so no, thank you well, for this sharing is it.
0: no and i think again like in the book in the talks and stuff it's like We're not taught this.
1: Well, if you haven't already, make sure you get a copy of uh, the book. I'm sure you will have from the end of part one, but make sure if you haven't already. Uh, Let's head on to part three. We'll, We'll see you all in a moment or two. Hold
0: up.